This is Talkback Gardening with John Lamb and Deb Tribe, live from Government House on ABC Radio Adelaide. Good morning. Welcome to the Queen's Birthday Long Weekend Talk Back Gardening. We are broadcasting live from the portico of Government House and the gardens are open to the public from 10 until 3 today and tomorrow in celebration of the Queen's Birthday so that you can have a look at the statue of the Queen, Her Majesty the Queen by Robert Hannaford. John Lamb, good morning to you. Isn't it exciting being here? Yeah, good morning, Deb. Good morning, listeners. Yes, it's not often you get an opportunity to come to Government House and have a look at the gardens. And if you're coming to the gardens, make sure you go around the back of Government House because that's where all the gardening's going on. (laughs) (laughs) So the gardens at the front are really lovely, immaculate, and so are the ones at the back. But uh, they've got uh, raised garden beds. There's about 20 raised garden beds and there's a little mini fruit uh, orchard. And, of course, uh, it's a result of the Governor himself, His Excellency uh, Hugh Van Ley, who's a very keen gardener and he's responsible for setting up uh, the gardens but the story will evolve during the program. That's right and it's not your first time here John, you're an old hand at looking at the gardens at Government House but we were both very lucky to come here a little earlier in the week and have a a personal tour with His Excellency the Governor and Mrs Lay around the gardens and we visited several spots, you'll hear about those this morning but we would love to hear from you because uh, we really want your calls throughout the morning. The number to call is one three hundred triple two eight nine one one three hundred triple two eight nine one. Love your comments on the text line as well, and please keep those coming. The text line number is zero four six seven nine double two eight nine one. Maggie at Maslin Beach sent through um, a text saying that she heard the conversation earlier with Robert Hannaford, which will be posted online. So do stay tuned for that. Says he's my mum's cousin. She was a Hannaford, and it was lovely to hear how the statue of her. Majesty Queen Elizabeth came to be. So uh, please um, check online if you'd like to see that. And I can also say that you can find on Twitter, if you are in that sphere, um, from our at ABC Adelaide Twitter site, a little video of John, myself and His Excellency the Governor, Hugh Van Ley and Mrs Ley as we had a wander around the garden. So if you're on Twitter, have a look right now at ABC Adelaide or um, I will retweet it as well at Deb's Tribe. Right now, though, let's hear what happened when we visited a little bit earlier this week and see where we started in the gardens of Government House. We're in the grounds of Government House with His Excellency, the Governor, Hugh Van Ley, AC, and we're in the vegetable garden where I know John Lamb has visited the Governor before. John, has it changed very much since you were last here? It's quite dramatically different and I need to find out why. So, Your Excellency, last time I was here, you were very passionate about South Australian home gardeners growing Asian vegetables and Vietnamese vegetables in particular and maybe some fruit as well. Now you set up your own little trial garden and before we take a look at the success and maybe the failures, why were you so passionate about this? Well to me this is a very important part of any landscape, of any houses in, in Australia. We have a luxury of having enough uh, land uh, to do that. I mean. If you think about the whole world, many, many countries, people in all the other countries have no way to have a, a, a back garden, let alone the vegetable gardens. So here um, we started with some experimental of some of the Southeast Asian vegetables, or in other words, Asian vegetables, uh, when you first visited us. And after that, we started to do it in the big more uh, big scale. And so now you can see that everything has been more planned and in the bigger uh, size and we try so many uh, vegetables as you said some successes some uh, failures but then I think uh, we should try um, some of them are fantastic to, to grow the layout that you've got for your vegetable garden at the moment is brilliant but it has certainly changed dramatically since last time I was here and uh, could we take a look at some of the Asian vegetables in particular that you're growing and, and the thing that struck me was you had some big frames up and there were melons growing on them, melons that I hadn't even heard of and you were very proud of them but I can't see any melons. 
Well, unfortunately, the, the season is not right for them. <laughs> they, they're not um, really resilient for the, the cold in particular. Ironically, the so-called um, winter melons die in the winter. Uh, <laughs> we call it winter melons because we taste quite nicely uh, rather than because of the, the season that they grow in. But the bitter melon, the laffa, and some bottle uh, gourd, you know, calabash, is quite excellent for, for the staples that we have every day. Uh, unfortunately, uh, it, it grows so beautifully in the, in the hotter, uh, warmer weather, but in winters they, they, they die. They also have to struggle with possums. Um, we have a lot of possums here. So, and apparently the possums love them so much, uh, every time we have a little fruits, they, they come out and, and they take them all. Uh, so that's another struggle <laughs> you need to look into. The possums are a perennial problem on talkback gardening, aren't they, John? They certainly are. And perhaps do you have any defence against possums? <laughs> well, I've been told by the gardeners when we have some foxes appearing in the garden, the possum disappear. <laughs> Unfortunately, the fox also disappears some stage. So, so it's becoming quite exposed to the, the possum. I do believe that you've actually got foxes living here at Government House. Uh, it used to, but then we, we eradicated them, so we don't see them as quite often as we used to. But I think they, they, they live somewhere uh, next to the, uh, the Torrens River, and they're coming from time to time. In the last few months, we haven't seen them yet. Talking of the Torrens, I do believe that ducks are also a problem here in the garden. Yes, uh, they f flew in and they flew out. <laughs> Every time they flew in, uh, they just take everything they could get and they flew out again. Uh, but not as often as it used to be, I think, for some reason. One would think that maybe the foxes might also <laughs> make sure that the ducks don't stay too long. Yeah, you're absolutely right, I think. So we come back to the vegetables, the melons, uh, uh, and it's a probably a pity... Deb, that we're here in the middle of winter or the beginning of winter because the summer vegetables, I think, have got the greatest potential. Could we take a look at what do you feel are the vegetables that have got potential for growing here in South Australia? I think every Asian vegetables should be able to grow in South Australia depend on the weather and also the soil rather than just in South Australia. I found the... Um, bok choy, the bok choy, the kangkong grows mad. So the more you cut them down to eat, the more they grow. And into the, to some extent, my gardener complained to me that they grow everywhere. <laughs> but that is something really, really nice. Because for us, kangkong, if you ask anyone from Southeast Asia, kangkong is a main source of iron. Just like they, we call it the Asian um, uh, spinach in a lot of ways. It's beautiful. One thing I noticed, though, the kangkong that we grow here in this garden it tastes much, much, much better than the kangkong you go into the Chinese restaurants or, or some other Asian restaurants for some reason. I suspect that's something to do with the home garden freshness. And I think coming back to the point that you made that uh, we should be able to grow our own fruit and vegetables and it's the taste that's delicious. Yes. Well, imagine you get to cut the flowers from your garden and put it in, in your house. You feel something really special that's yours there's something that with you in the garden and with you in the in, in the house uh, eating the vegetables from the gardens means something quite special Some, something that you feel you're part of this nature that is part of your staples that that keep you survive uh, i i think it's a fantastic uh, idea can I just ask because yeah. you have got such a, a vast vegetable garden and you have so many public events held here in Government House. Do you produce much of the food that you actually serve from the garden? We try to, uh, to get it as much as we can. And I think the, the chef and the cook has been trying very hard on that one. And in fact, we, we gather, and just um, only last week, we gather huge roots vegetables from here, the carrots, the uh, asparagus, and all those to supply for the reception that we cook and the, the, the food that we eat every day. Um, we love it, though. You mentioned asparagus. Yeah. Now, again, I go back to when we were here last time. You had an enormous bed of asparagus, <laughs> and apparently everybody that turned up for a function got, got fed asparagus as their entree. Yes, yes, that's we still have them, but when we scale them down, because it looked like a jungle to me. <laughs> I, I never seen as asparagus as that tall, and that's many, but now we just tidy up so we can spare more uh, soy and, and, and spaces for other species as well. 
with asparagus is one of the of the major um, food that we provide at the reception. Move now perhaps to the fruit areas mm. and take a look at some of the Southeast Asian fruits and how successful they have been. And we will go there in a few minutes' time this morning when we have our second instalment of our tour of the wonderful gardens here at Government House where we're broadcasting live this morning. Hope that you'll join us at 10 o'clock when the gates are open to the public for you to come in and view both the gardens and the statue by Robert Hannaford of Her Majesty the Queen. And on the... Um, I, I said on Twitter that I posted a picture of us, John, with His Excellency the Governor, Hugh Van Lay and Mrs Lay. And you've got a pretty good response here. Uh, Todd the Painter says, you look like a rock star. So there you go. If you want to see John looking like a rock star, have a look on our Twitter feed at ABC Adelaide or at Deb's Tribe. And also wonderful from Michelle on uh, Twitter saying, my great-great-grandfather was a gardener here at Government House. How about that? That's a wonderful story, Michelle. Thank you very much. And we are having a lovely experience here. And you can join us live at 10 o'clock this morning. Now, we were talking, uh, we'll be talking about fruit very shortly, but uh, it is a time a lot of people, of course, are going out and buying their fruit trees at the moment. Very important, I think. OK, so you're going to plant, uh, whether it's a fruit tree or an ornamental, it doesn't really matter. Keep in mind, it's going to be there for quite some time, you know, 20, 30 years maybe. And it's what you do before you plant that is critical because that sets up the trees for what's going to happen. And I often talk about dig wide, not deep. And I think if you get a little stick and uh, you dig a hole and, and you say, right, that's where the tree's going to go. And you put your stick into the hole and you'll find it goes in very, very easily. It's nice and soft. Get the same stick and stick it just next to where the soil is and see whether you can get the stick in the ground. Now, <laughs> change the stick to plant roots and there's little soft roots. They're growing in uh, potting mix or they, if it's bare-rooted, they, they, they've got to be able to make their way out of the soft soil into the hard soil around and you've got to give them a fair chance. So loosen the soil uh, for about uh, at least three-quarters of a metre uh, um, uh, w would be ideal for most fruit trees or ornamental trees and then the other thing of course is bearing in mind that uh, it, it's the nutrition in the soil and what's happening in the soil so putting in organic matter compost good compost good quality compost stay away from fertilizers till the plants are growing but get the soil nice and loose add the organic matter that feeds the little microbes in the soil and they're tremendously important because they've got to convert the fertiliser you put on into a form that the plants can use. Mm. So look after the soil, feed the soil now, and then you can feed the plants later in the season. But get them off to a good start, and you'll be well and truly rewarded. Start as you mean to continue. Good way to go. Uh, let's catch up with Elaine from Manningham. Now, you need to plant a tree, Elaine. Good morning. Welcome to the program. Good morning, guys. How are you? We're very, have, very well. Um, we have um, propagated an avocado tree from a, a seed and the little bush is about 60 centimetres tall now and we're wondering whether we should put it in the ground. We've heard the roots are a bit invasive or whether we can put it into a like a half wine barrel pot. Right. Do you anticipate getting avocados from it? Well, we've heard not for a very long time. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yes, when you plant a seedling, it can take uh, five, six, ten, twelve years before it actually settles down and gives you fruit. You, you don't know. And the second thing no. is you don't know what kind of a fruit it's going to produce. Uh, if it's an avocado you brought, it could be a sort of a Queensland variety. It's not going to do very well here in South Australia. So oh, having okay. said that... You just did it more as an experiment more than anything. Yeah, my and it's fun. heard so much about them and it was fun to do. So, yeah, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> yeah, look... Grow it as a little ornamental. Why don't you uh, uh, put it in a pot and, and just grow it as, as, a, as a, a plant? And, and when it gets too big, you can take it out and you can chop the roots back and it's, it has a bonsaiing effect of it and chop the top back. Oh, okay. keep, it as, keep it as an ornamental. Uh, it's, it, it can be quite a very nice uh, ornamental, but you need to keep on moving it into a bigger pot if you're going to allow it to grow big. Um, right. it, you, if you wanted to grow it for a, a fruiting point of view, uh, it, you'd need to have a very, very large container, probably half a wine.
one barrel that's uh, only yeah. about 50 or 60 litres. You need something that's got about 100 litres of soil. That's a pretty large container. Oh, okay. We've got it in a little greenhouse at the moment. and um, We weren't sure whether that was the right thing to do or not. Um, oh, yeah, keep yeah, it warm. We weren't yes. sure what to do with the thing. Okay. Now have some fun with it, enjoy with it, but uh, I think you're much better to uh, either buy yourself a good quality v uh, tree from a garden centre, uh, mm -hmm. a name variety which is suitable for South Australia. Okay. All right, then thank you very much. Thanks, Elaine. Enjoy the process and the experiment. Peter is in Littlehampton. Now you've got an observation to make about potting mixes, Peter. Yes, that's right. Good morning, uh, John and Deb. Um, thanks for a lovely show. Um, we, we were talking about potting mix uh, with the lady in Victoria and, and her bulbs. Yes. We were trying to establish various things in our garden, and one of them was uh, blueberries. And we know that you need acidic soil for that. So we went to our local big box um, uh, hardware store to pick up some potting mix, and there on the label it said about pH 6 and brought it home opened it up and I thought oh, just let's test it to see what pH <laughs> is <laughs> and Do it tell. came back as 9 oh, wow. <laughs> pH 9 that's disgusting that is. Yeah, was, was it a cheap a cheap uh, you know, uh, no it wasn't no it wasn't. it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't cheap it was just you know okay well don't mention good, brands please <laughs> <laughs> so it is good quality um, potting mix, and I took okay. it back well, that, to the that, store. Sure, and that, that can happen. Sometimes as organic matter breaks down, you can get uh, uh, a, sort of a, a temporary change, and, and the composition changes, and the pH can change a little bit. But uh, um, the, yeah, well, I'm not too sure what to say. What, what, is there a question coming, or that's just a comment? <laughs> it's just an observation. It's an okay. observation, <laughs> and, a, and, a, and a very good one. Don't, yeah. yeah. Don't trust. Don't trust the label. Uh, get yourself a $15 pH testing kit if you think that's important and test it yourself. And, ah, now and that, that is... To it, make yeah. your acidity correct. That is very, and, very, very sensible. And I think because our soils are very, very alkaline and people have got no idea what uh, the soil is, uh, you can do you know, dozens and dozens of tests from one little kit and, and it's very, very useful, I think, uh, for doing that, um, in in terms of if you wanted to uh, look after your little blueberry, uh, get some garden sulphur, garden sulphur, and if you yeah. would put that that on in springtime and autumn, probably about half a cup around the uh, and work that into the soil. That helps acidify the soil. Fantastic, Peter. Thank you very much for the call. <laughs> Francis is in Morfitt Vale and has a question about manure quality. Hi, Francis. Good morning, John and Deb. Uh, I was wondering, like potting mix, are there better quality manures? Oh, yes. Like cow manure? <laughs> uh, you're wanting to know the difference between, the, 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 say, a cow and a pig manure or, or, or the quality of, of uh, the variation within a cow manure's quality? <laughs> well, <laughs> I was listening to you saying that um, cow manure might sweeten up a mandarin so mine okay. is not well, sweet, so no. I just wondered about, there's no ticks on the cow manure, is there? No. Um, well, again, that can vary a lot too, because you'll find that uh, in some times uh, they'll go to a dairy and they'll just sweep out the dairy and it's, got, uh, it's been uh, hosed down and it's got soaps and things like that, and that goes into a bag, and that'll be at a pretty low price. And you'll mm -hmm. also find that uh, there are... Uh, quality companies that sell quality products and so the material will be from uh, probably a feedlot and uh, it will be proper manure and the material from feedlot is much better. Uh, the quality of the fertiliser or the manure is as good as what goes into the cow's mouth and so in a feedlot they feed it grain and a lot of protein and so the quality of the cow manure that you get at the other end is uh, very, very significantly superior to something that's just been sweeped up uh, from, the, uh, from a dairy floor. 
Um, so, but the important thing is um, there's a big difference between, say, cow manure. Cow manure has very little nitrogen in it and uh, very little of other things in there, but it's soft and it, it's more the organic matter uh, that holds the nutrients together is the value of cow manure. Whereas, say, mm-hmm. chicken manure is very high in nitrogen and it's very easy to put on too much fertiliser simply because of the high quantity of nitrogen in, in, in uh, uh, a chicken manure. But it's a, almost a, it's a topic in itself and maybe I'll make a little note and sometime uh, in the near future during winter we'll talk animal manures and, and just the, the difference between the different kind of animal manures because I think there's a lot of interest in it. If you're so a gardener, that, that is. <laughs> So if I want to get some cow manure for my fruit tree, um, is any any of the bags okay? Or uh, well, if, uh, you'll find that there'll be a bag available, and it's, it's twelve dollars, and there'll be a cheap one probably at six dollars. And I okay. suggest that that's the reason uh, All somebody right. has gone to. Uh, and, and there are companies out there that you know, they are horticultural companies and they've been mm-hmm. in the business for a hundred years some of them uh, more okay. you know and they their name they is so valuable so and so they, they okay. wouldn't dare put in a crummy product and so uh, you know that's the name of the game all right so i'll go by a well-known name i think that would be very advisable i do but have they, a fertilizer they, shop near me they um, might be able to just yeah. specialises in fertilisers. Okay, well, they'll, they'll know what I'm talking about. Have a little chat okay. to the people there and take their advice because they'd probably be very sound advice. And the topic's okay. on John's list, Francis, so okay. stay tuned in coming weeks. Uh, we are Talk Back Gardening. The phone number is 1300 891. Keep your calls coming through. Christiana is on the line. Now, Christiana, where do you live? Hello. Hello, where do you live, Christiana? Um, I live um, about 10 kilometres in south of Wynyard, in the bush, okay. on a property. In Tasmania? In Tasmania. Yeah, yeah. Oh, right. Wow. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay, are you joining us from Tasmania or are yes. you on holiday here in Adelaide? Yeah, no, no, we listen regularly. I oh. like the show. Oh, Wonderful. Right. Well, yeah, welcome right. aboard. Now well, it's lovely country around there. It's a long oh, time beautiful. since I've been we to Wynyard. We have very <laughs> subsoil clay soil here, so yes. it's not really great for growing. But once you get it, once you get your you know stuff growing, it does really well. I can imagine. Yes. Mm. Now I have a question about kiwi fruit. All right. Um, I've got quite established vines and they're hugely prolific and I'm about to pick the fruit off them. Um, when do I prune them? Because I've pruned them at different stages and sometimes they weep. You know, you cut and they just seem to bleed. This That's right. Yes. for ages. Yeah, they don't stop for as long as some of the vines. Um, so it's important, I think, to if you can do it sometime during July... At that stage, it's probably um, at its most dormant. You'll find that it, it slows down in autumn, depending on sort of the temperature in the soil, and it, it, the soil will be at, at its coldest in the middle of July, and you'll probably find that in August the temperatures start to rise, so, uh, uh, and you'll start that the roots will start to uh, generate, and uh, that's the reason why you get your... Uh, uh, the, the bleeding, so do it the in saffron, July. Yep. Yeah, that's the important thing. Uh, have you got both male? Oh, you'd have to have male yeah, and female. Yeah, oh yeah, they're okay. very established. Um, right, uh, the females yeah, and we've don't got gr- a prolific uh, crop. Okay, it's important that you'll find that the the male vine is very, very, very aggressive, and yep. it, it it'll cover the female, and and before long you'll have all males and no females. So yep. um, it's important, I think, around about November. Uh, once the uh, uh, flowering is finished and the male's done his job, uh, get the snips out and cut. you can cut that back quite hard and let it sort of okay. you know, regrow again and again have a look at it in, in early autumn and see whether it, it's, it's doing, uh, it, it, if it's too aggressive, give it a bit of a chop back. So okay, show, I'll do that. show the male no mercy. Totally <laughs> entangled in each other, but there's two females now growing really well and the male. Um, so, yeah, there's plenty of fruit, and it's nice-sized fruit. 
Oh, that's good. No, 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 they're delicious little fruits too. Yeah, yeah. love them. Yep. Thanks, Christiana. Best wishes to all in Tassie that might be listening. And, and if you're just tuning in, we are talking about fruit. If you're hearing about the men and the women being entangled, we are talking about kiwi fruit. So uh, nothing racy going on here at the Portico at Government House this morning. Pat says your turns of phrase are fabulous this morning, John, on the text line. And also on the text line, Trevor says, uh, love to show the Governor when he he retires around the Barossa Bush Gardens at Nuriutpa, celebrating its 20th anniversary this year. Trevor, let us know more, please. You can text through uh, Adelaide Weekends at abc.net.au with any gardening events you've got coming up. We'd love to hear from you. Well, we are going to continue our tour of the wonderful gardens of Government House with His Excellency, um, the Governor, Hugh Van Lay, AC, and Mrs Lay very shortly. So stay tuned to that and we'll take more of your calls as well. Talk Back Gardening with John Lamb and Deb Tribe, live from Government House on ABC Radio Adelaide. We're continuing our tour of the grounds of Government House. We are now in the tropical garden section. And Your Excellency, I understand that this is a particular favourite of yours. Yes, Longan. My goodness. Well, you have to test that to, to see why I'm so passionate about Longan. It's sweet, it's beautiful, the texture is fantastic. It reminds us so much about Asia. If anything, that embodiment of the Asian taste and smell, this would be the one. And I, I just love that so much. I'll invite you to test it a little bit later on. And also wava. Wava is, is something about my childhood. You know, back in those days, we don't have the snack and, and all that sort of thing all, every day. So we just go into the wava and have tried to, the, to test that. It's a fantastic and growing very well. Could yeah. you describe the fruits on that one? There are so many species, but this is one of those. It's really crunchy. Not extremely sweet, but sweet enough. And the texture is just so special. I don't know how to describe it, but it's fantastic. <laughs> you have to try and to, to, to feel that. <laughs> the other one is custard apple. We haven't got much uh, luck so far. There hasn't been any uh, fruit yet, but we hope that will be soon. There we have the uh, green mango. Uh, and the first time we had the fruit there is fantastic. It's just uh, much better than the one you buy from the shop in, in a lot of ways. Sapoche is another one. We also have kiwi fruits over there so to make sure we are multicultural in here. And uh, Juju Bay, it is a, a, the red date or Chinese date. Over there, the lychee. The lychee is not doing extremely well, so the gardener is about to move it to another spot. Hopefully, it's much better than there. There really is quite a, a range of Southeast Asian type fruits that can be grown here and so long as you don't have possums and ducks and foxes uh, then uh, they should survive. But I'd like to move on. I know that you're very, very keen in history and uh, the history of these gardens, of course, are tremendous. Before we look at uh, some of the historic trees here, maybe could you talk a little bit about uh, just what changes have happened over uh, many, many years? Every governor who would take the office here uh, would leave something behind as a legacy. Uh, some of them left beautiful furniture, left some of the uh, antiques and memorabilia. I didn't have all of those myself, so I thought to myself, well, I would leave some tropical fruits and some of the most favourable vegetables that I have and the Asian vegetable gardens. Hopefully that uh, in the future people will look back and say this is the, the mark of uh, Hugh Van Le and his wife when they're staying here. But you, indeed, the, the gardens keep evolving from time to time, depend on the style of the governor of the time. And uh, we are very pleased to raising the profile of gardening and the importance of trees and, uh, and the, the greens in, in the garden, as much as the inside of the house. Could we talk a little bit about some of the ancient trees or the oldest trees that are here, particularly in the, the front of Government House? There, I think there is a hoop pine next to the gate at the entrance. It's 150 years old. And we do have that uh, modern bay fig trees and the Port Jackson fig trees. I believe to be more than 100 years old. And, and that is it's a remarkable historical mark of, uh, of the tree back then and continue to be growing very well. 
probably the biggest change has happened along Kintore Avenue. And, of course, uh, there was a, a big developments there. Would you like to discuss your plans and, and how that has changed? One of the first things that we did when we started here was to um, agree to the government to take on some land from, from the government house and turn it into the most beautiful Anzac Memorial Walk, as you can see. The design of that memorial works allow people to look through into the house and the ground of the, of the, of the government house to make sure that the government house is blending into the landscape of the whole city, not just uh, behind the, the big wall. Uh, in order to do that, we also plant a lot of trees behind the, the, the fence uh, to, as a beautifying of aspect of the garden, but also to allow people to go seeing through as well as some kind of privacy as well to, to protect the house from, from that. We then plant quite a few beautiful trees to make sure that it's also part of this beautiful garden. Anybody passing Kintour Avenue, I think, would be worthwhile looking in at the government gardens and probably uh, make a little note and visit the gardens when they're open on certain occasions. But before we move from the gardens themselves, scarecrows. Now, you are very, very good with your time and, and you uh, go down to the Royal Agricultural and Horticultural Show each year and as part of the display, you pick a scarecrow. <laughs> what happens to the scarecrows? Yes, well... Um the show is one of my favorites in my agenda each year. Going to the show to appreciate the works of our farmers and, and the people who work on the land. In fact, they're the ones who contribute so much for our state economically and many, many other aspects of our society. And I would like to pay my tribute and appreciation to all the farmers and the, the vineyard, the people who look after the, the, the wine industries and all of that. And picking the scarecrows also a part of encouraging young people to involve in the gardenings and involve in the trees and plants and uh, working on, on the land. So each year we, we picked the, the, the first and the second prize scarecrows and displayed it here and we invite those kids who are making up that, that crows, uh, scarecrows to come and have a picnic with us here on the day we install that. It's worked very well to uh, stop some possums uh, away. <laughs> um, but I think it's, it's, a, it's a great opportunity for young people to involve in the gardening and see how uh, important it is to be in touch with the land. I think we're going to move now to the Rose Garden and your wonderful wife, Mrs Lay, is going to join us and we'll take a really good look at what you've got planted there. And we will continue our tour of the gardens here at Government House a little bit later in the program before 10 o'clock, but we're taking your calls at the moment on 1300 891. Don't forget, the grounds are open at 10 o'clock this morning for you to come and see the statue of the Queen and because it's in celebration of the Queen's birthday long weekend. So I hope you can join us live when His Excellency, uh, the Governor Hugh Van Lay, joins me for a chat. And then we can play the quiz as well if you're here. Uh, Michelle from Trevor, now, is this the Michelle that was on Twitter earlier saying that you had a, a relative that used to work at these gardens? Yes. Hi, Deb. Um, Hello. I got, it, I got it wrong, though. <laughs> it was my popper, not my great-great-popper. Oh, so, wow. I know. The family history gene book needs to come out, doesn't it? So I, my, great, my grandfather tended the gardens. He worked there in 1966. He met the Queen Mother when she came to visit. Oh, how I wonderful. I know. I wonder, so, I, wonder, I wonder how many gardeners they had there. At the moment, there are two gardeners with a great big garden. They do a tremendous job. Yeah, well, I'm definitely going to come and visit today because I think that's quite a, a momentous sort of bit of history to come and stand on the same spot. My grandfather, who died when I was only young, so how lovely. And, and I'm really enjoying listening to the garden. I can see it while you're speaking <laughs> about it today. It's beautiful. Oh, wonderful, Michelle. Well, I hope you get here at 10 and you can introduce yourself to us. We'd love to meet you. And thank you so lovely. much for calling in. No problem. Oh, what a lovely family connection there, Michelle from Ross Trevor, whose grandfather was one of the gardeners in this amazing garden. And the fruits of his labour are right here, of course, because, you know, so many beautiful old trees in this garden. Uh, Sandra is in Nan. Now, Sandra, you need some help with your blackberry cane. Blackberry? Yes. Hi, Sandra. 
Hello. Um, yes, I've bought a, um, um, it's called a, similar to a blackberry, it's called a Lawton berry. And um, I've, it's, um, the pack had one cane in it and it's in like a little um, sawdusty mix um, like bare, uh, bare rooted roses at the moment. So I was just wondering what, um, how long can I leave it in the bag for? Because um, um, I haven't prepared my garden bed yet. Um, so I just wanted to know... Um, what, um, you know, should I put it in another pot at the moment or just leave it um, go? At this stage, just right. leave it in its bag until you're ready to plant. And mm -hmm. the important thing is don't put it in the sun. Put it somewhere in a nice shady position. And uh, yep. it, it, it probably if you can do that so that uh, it's in the ground by the end of July. Uh, oh, a no lot problem. Of, a lot of the yep. vines, like the blackberries and Lawton berries and the wonderful delicious fruits that come from them uh, they start moving yeah. in uh, they can start moving in August um, and even though there's not much of a root system just bear in mind what I was talking about before because the blackberries or the or the berries uh, the bramble berries let's put them that way uh, do have mm -hmm. a very surface root system and it's a very extensive system they go chasing their water and their nutrients for quite some time so when we're talking wow. about dig wide as well <laughs> no, not too deep uh, dig extra wide before you plant and spend a lot of time improving the soil and you'll uh, you'll find that it just makes a tremendous difference both in uh, looking after the amount of water uh, that the material can hold on to and, and uh, that reduces your workload but it also uh, from a berry point of view they're nearly all water by the time you get to eat them and so uh, uh, having uh, lots of organic matter in the soil and also organic matter on the soil will make a big difference to the harvest that you have. I was just going to plant them on the edge of my veggie patch. Um, would that be a problem, <laughs> do you think? Oh, <laughs> uh, well. Uh, yes. <laughs> but my laugh, I think, says it all. Um, yeah. They yeah. can be very aggressive. Uh, you're going yeah. to have a vine that's going to be at least a metre and a half high, depending on what kind of a trellis you've got on, and probably a couple of metres uh, wide, and particularly if you're yeah. looking after it in terms of the soil. Um, so don't be afraid to uh, uh, thin it out uh, and also to chop it back if the branches are go or the canes are going in the wrong direction, particularly sort of once you know you can see the, which ones have got the fruits on them. Uh, and uh, yep. just keep it in, in, in uh, uh, check and just you need to tell the blackberry, you know, you're in charge, mm -hmm. not it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's great. Thank you very much, John. Thanks, Sandra. Good luck with that. Park is in Yankalilla. Now, you've got a locust tree, but no fruit park. That's correct. Last year, morning to you both, last year was quite a reasonable crop. This year it's covered in flowers and none of them are turning into locusts. Oh, that's a pity. So, uh, is it and uh, <laughs> <laughs> No, if you had a big crop last year and, and uh, no, not just getting a reasonable crop, just a reasonable crop. Okay. So, uh, is the tree in good health? Is it putting on, say, good growth and a, a nice? Yeah, good yeah. Color? I, I uh, don't have to worry about that. I'm looking at it now, and it's very healthy and and growing. Right. About eight or nine years old. Yes. Are you looking after it in terms of fertiliser? Well, that might be the question. I yeah. did wave a little bit at it last year. Well, when you say that it's flowering and uh, the fruits are not set, to yeah. me there's a bit of a hormone imbalance going on there. And that's yeah. why it's either... And sometimes it can be lack of fertiliser and it's not growing, but it sounds like you've got a good loca tree and it's in good health and I would suspect that maybe there's a little bit too much good health. And so sometimes you can get uh, a situation where uh, it's growing and even though the flowers are there, they're not setting. That's one scenario. could also be the fact that it's not getting pollinated at the right time or it's not setting uh, at the right time and there's a pollination problem there. Um, so it would have been flowering not so long ago, I guess. It is. It's, uh, it's still in flower, but I mean, there's two other locust trees in, in my area, and they, they flower basically simultaneously. Right. Uh, can you see that the, from the early flowers that, that it's setting fruit, or the, the the flowers are just dropping? No, they're all, they just die. They just they just go brown and die off. 
on the bush, on the yeah. tree. I know. Well, I think there's something there that I can't pick up uh, from your description. Um, I think if you could take a little section of the dieback on the on the uh, uh, the flowers, so that uh, somebody can actually see what's going on there, and, and uh, it, it could be you know there are little insects sometimes thrips and things like that come through and eat the pollen up. Um, there's just too many things that could happen there that I don't know that uh, trying to diagnose on the radio is probably the right thing to do. Um, right, so right. I think you, you, you need a second opinion. Righto, thanks for that. Thanks for the call, Park. And <coughs> thank you to Jenny, uh, Jan and Pam from Port Clinton that said if you're looking for advice about pruning kiwi fruit, there was a great segment on Gardening Australia only last night and it's going to be replayed tomorrow after Landline. So Good. have a look at that one. Um, got a plane going over at the moment, but we'll speak to Virginia in Henley Beach. Good morning. Good morning. I've got a, uh, an Indian hawthorn bush, which is about oh, 25 to 30 years old. It's only about a metre high, but it's got lots of lovely dark blue berries on it. It flowers profusely at the right time, I think September. But I was wondering, should I cut those berries off? They never seem to fall. Um, they just sit on the bush the whole time. Now, would you believe I could hear your voice, but there was an aeroplane going over the top of the, just at the time you said what kind of a bush it was. An Indian hawthorn. Oh, Indian hawthorn. Okay, right. Um, well, it, and it's flowering? It, it flowers, and it flowers quite profusely. But mm -hmm. then all year I've got these um, small, like a blueberry, uh, berries on the bush, and they are covering the bush. They never seem to fall. The birds never cat, never peck them. And I was just wondering, should I cut them off? Not really. Uh, they're part of the ornamentation. Um, it's uh, a very, very tough bush. Uh, I'm looking out onto the lawns and uh, the government house. There's a whole row of them <laughs> over there against the, the hedge. And uh, they are survivors. They are sun lovers and they are just very, very good, um, I suppose, screening uh, shrubs if, if you want them. So um, just leave them alone. They'll flower. Okay. You'll, you'll probably find that during summer, um, when it comes, or in springtime, it'll come into flower and it'll flower profusely, and probably at that stage the berries will just drop off one by one, um, and at that stage it may be that... Uh, the birds might find that they're a little bit uh, uh, softer and a little bit sweeter at that stage and they might mm. sort of do the job for you. But no, there's no point in chopping it off. If the plant is there and it's flowering and it's, it's, it's the right shape, you don't want it to grow berserk anyway. Um, no, know, well, it just doesn't. It stays the same size and the same right. um, growth each year. It doesn't seem to grow or, or just um, flowers really well. Um, no, but no, I just no. wondered if the berries being there would stop the flowering. If you're getting flowering and fruit, no. Uh, it, it's That's just the way it grows. Mm. It has its berries just and its fruits it at the same time. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, okay. Virginia. Thank Lovely to hear much. from you this morning. We are broadcasting live from the portico of Government House. John and I are going to continue our tour of the gardens with His uh, Excellency, the Governor, Hugh Van Lay and Mrs Lay, in the Rose Garden up next. Talk Back Gardening with John Lamb and Deb Tribe, live from Government House on ABC Radio Adelaide. We are here on a cool winter's day in the grounds of Government House. Joining His Excellency the Governor, Hugh Van Lay AC, is Mrs Lay. Welcome, it's lovely to have you here. And we are in the Governor's Rose Garden. And I understand that there are roses for every Governor that has served here at Government House. That's right, 35 altogether to date. We're so fortunate to have the support and assistance from the Royal Society of South Australia. They are so helpful and so enthusiastic about establishing this rose garden. So as it is, each governor would have three bushes of rose that was provided by the Royal Society and the name as well. So you go from the, our inaugural governor, Captain Hymas, to the today's my, my three bushes of roses. We all have a very, very distinctive 
colours and beautiful uh, roses for each of the governor. Your Excellency, could you tell us which rose is yours? And I believe it's already here growing. Yes, yes, it's, uh, it's not right now, it's not flowering because it's not the season, but they call it the Bordeaux. I would like to call it Barossa. Um, <laughs> I asked them why um, they, they named this Bordeaux, and they said, well, I, I think, I believe you, you like red wine. So uh, I thought, but I like the Barossa Chirez more than the Bordeaux. <laughs> anyway, that's been given. So that, that's the one over there. Your Excellency, that sounds like a good story. Perhaps I'll ask Mrs Lay. You have favourite roses? Actually, uh, as a patron of the Rose Society, I love roses. And I have to say they done such a great job because all the roses are so beautiful and also so different in many ways. And there is a beautiful rose bush for the governor's partner. It got a beautiful pink colour and a beautiful perfume. So that's my favourite, mm -hmm. the governor's partner roses. Mm -hmm. Would it be an order to ask what rose varieties maybe you're going to plant when you move from here into your own new home? Wow, that is a wonderful question because we've been thinking about that and we would love to have, of course, uh, the governor's you know, spouse roses as well as my husband's Bordeaux rose because the beautiful Bordeaux colour and also some other roses. Hopefully we would be able to, you know, if they're available, we would love to plant some of them at our little gardens. What style of garden are you going to have? Actually, uh, our garden would be much smaller and uh, we would have, uh, you know, a small place to have a little vegetable garden as well as some roses, orchid, and maybe a couple of smaller plants or trees. But one thing we learn about living in a government house is that we can see some of the trees grow so beautifully, so we would be able to learn how to hopefully look after them. Your Excellency, with your experience of growing Southeast Asian or Asian vegetables and fruits here, which of those might end up in your garden? Well, many. <laughs> I, I would love to. Uh, certainly some herbs. The Vietnamese mint, the lemongrass, the chilies have to be there. And, of course, the Italian parsley and all of those. There will be a lot of herbs because we use it every day, as well as some other vegetables like kangkong, of course, and bok choy, and many, many other melons, if we, if we can. Your Excellency and Mrs Lay, do you get much time to spend in the garden yourselves? Actually, we, we do. Every day, twice a day, we have a walk around our gardens and check in on the plants and the flowers and all the veggie, and just really, you know, enjoy to see it growing, and also the change of the colour and the flower in our garden throughout the years particularly in the spring, flower blooming everywhere, and then in the autumn, they turn into beautiful autumn colour, and then you got like roses, red all year round, and lavenders purple all year round. So such a great honour, really, to be able to, uh, yeah, walk around the gardens and enjoy it. As you know, we have about 800 to 900 functions a year. Um, so on average, about three, four functions a day. These are very busy. But I found this, that after each of those, during the lunchtime, after lunchtime, Lan and I will have a little walk around the garden. And after the dinner, we have another walk. It's like a routine. It's a fantastic relaxation. Mm. It's like a meditation without sitting by yourself. Uh, so the message for everybody there, try to have a garden. It's a fantastic part of life. It's make your life much more relaxing. And you enjoy it so much. You feel part of the nature by walking through the garden. That's right, that connection. Deb, I think South Australians have been very, very fortunate with His Excellency and Mrs Lay. They have been very much part of the South Australian community, working in different sections, different layers, and everybody that you talk to say, oh yes, wasn't he wonderful? Wasn't it lovely to see Mrs Lay? And I think the horticultural industry has decided it would be very appropriate at this stage if I actually presented Your Excellency an Australian native lime plant that the industry would like you to have and uh, Mrs Lay, an orchid, because I do believe that you're a very, very keen orchid collector. Thank you so much, Deb and John. What an honour to receive such a beautiful gifts, and particularly I can see it growing so beautifully in our small garden in the future. 
Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you, John, for your kind words, and thank you, everybody. It's a great, great honor to serve our community. I feel still pinching myself all the time, every day now. That's how could I get to this position to be able to do everything for this wonderful community and for our people. I love them so much, South Australia. Well, I can say, honestly, that the feelings are returned from the people of South Australia. Thank you so much, and definitely this will be so helpful later on when I start doing some cooking. Yes, so the flavour of this, you know, native lime will be fantastic. So thank you so much again, John and yeah. Deb. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, I really can't thank you enough on behalf of the gardeners of South Australia and certainly on behalf of John and I for taking us on a tour of your beautiful gardens here at Government House. And I look forward to talking to you a little later in the morning about things other than gardening. So thank you very much, Your Excellency and Mrs Lay. Thank, thank you. you so much. Thank all the very you. best to all. The wonderful tour that we had with His Excellency the Governor, Hugh Van Lay, AC and Mrs Lay last week. And in fact, the Governor is with us, so he will be on air live after the 10 o'clock news. I'm very excited and getting lots of lovely texts. My goodness, I love these people, um, says one of our texters here. And uh, Jono the farmer says, I love Hugh Van Lay. He can retire here for a spell. So thank you very much for your kind texts. Yes, I think we're very, very well served by our Governor. Governor, uh, His Excellency. But uh, beside the Governor, of course, is his wife, Mrs Lay, and I think uh, a lot of people have uh, come across Mrs Lay, and uh, she has been very much involved with the horticultural industries. I mentioned before that she's the patron of the Rose Society. She's also the patron of the Orchid Society here in South Australia, and I think uh, they're both uh, one is as passionate as, as the other in terms of their gardening, and it's just nice to be able to share that with it. That is absolutely the case, and I, I would actually like to welcome His Excellency, the Governor, here with us right now. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us this morning. We've, it's wonderful. I just ran over and photobummed <laughs> the Royal Australian Navy Band who are right here on the front uh, lawn. And we'll be having a, a long chat with you after the 10 o'clock news, Your Excellency. But the gates are open here from 10 o'clock until 3 o'clock today and tomorrow. That's right. That's right. For uh, people to come in and have a look at the Her Majesty's statue, as well as admiring the... Uh, the walk of our gardeners here. The garden's magnificent. Although it's winter and still all right. It's still, and it's actually quite mild today, I have to say. It's quite a lovely day, so just a rug up properly. But of course, you're one of the gardeners that uh, has really, uh, you know, made a mark on these grounds. Well, I wish I can claim that, but <laughs> not really much. <laughs> I just, you walking around and enjoying that, so this fantastic uh, landscape. It is. Well, we had a wonderful tour, didn't we, early this week, John? Yes, I, you, you just can't help but be impressed with what's going on here. And, and uh, as we mentioned before, it's evolved over, you know, over 100 years. Each governor has been here and made their mark. And I think our present governor, uh, we're going to be very, very sad when he goes, I think. I think so. <laughs> very big shoes to fill.